Hello, and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast, and my name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. Very classic intro after taking mm-hmm. a week off. Yeah, it's been, uh, we always say that, like, you, we record every week, and there are weeks where it feels like forever. Yeah. But, like, truly taking a week off, it has felt like an eternity. I, I missed you so dearly. Yeah, likewise. Um, yeah, the, the process of sitting down and recording the show every week is really just, like, an excuse for you and I to hang out on a Skype call for a really long time. <laughs> I like to, much, yeah. to be perfectly honest, right now, it is 12.40 p.m. on a Sunday <gasps> as we're recording. We generally start recording at 11. So, Steve and I have just been hanging out for almost two hours already. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, uh, this... That's usually the sign of a good episode, dare I say it. I don't want to jinx this one. Is what is when we take so much time to just like chill beforehand? Yeah, we kind of, well, that, but also just like if we're like that into talking already, mm. but like it hasn't even begun. You yeah, know? yeah, I know what you mean. It's been too long. Yeah. We were talking about the big game because today is... <laughs> Today, the day that we're recording, is the day of the big game. I forgot again. Like, you, you, every time you say the big game, I go, oh, yeah, it's the Super Bowl. And then, like, my brain, like, lizard brain just deletes the data, like, instinctively. <laughs> uh, dear but listener, we were not talking about it being the big game. <laughs> I can't even tell you who is playing. I, I, we both didn't even think the NFL was operating until like today. I thought the pandemic was preventing football from being played. I didn't realize uh, that it was still happening, if I'm being totally can't honest. can't stop the big game. You can't stop the big game. Hey, if you ask me, I'd say the big game is Fortnite. Am I right hey. or what? <laughs> I need another week off after that. I can't. We jinxed it. This is a stinker. <laughs> Dump it. Dump it. Trash it. Exactly. Oh my god. All right. Uh hey, you know what I've been playing, Brendan? What have you been playing? Let's just get into it cuz we're in we're in the chaos realm. We got to just take a step towards order. You and I have both been playing uh yeah. kind of symbolic of the du- duology here mm-hmm. in this game. We've been playing Mario and Luigi's Superstar Saga for the Game Boy Advance. Yeah, man. Um I'm very excited to talk about this. This is a series I I had known of but i never played uh for those unfamiliar it's kind of a spin-off of paper mario which itself is a continuation of the idea of a mario rpg that was set in place by mario rpg legend of the seven stars i think yeah yeah that was a collaboration between square and nintendo on super nintendo where it was like straight up like what if you had a final fantasy game but with mario characters in it mm-hmm. and it was really great it didn't do super well financially i think because it was like i remember renting it as a kid and be like what is this i hadn't played final fantasy 7 yet i had no established <laughs> blueprint of what turn-based rpg was right and expecting like a mario game and then suddenly it's like you have to level up to use fire it's like, i don't know what this is i don't know what this means <laughs> yeah. but it's an incredible game i think we talked about it very briefly because I managed to get a copy. It's it's a hard game to find, but it's like really incredible. Yeah. Um, even, even if it didn't perform super well when it came out, it's become like a cult classic since. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, features Gino, one of the many uh, long time asked for Smash characters that tragically yeah. ended in a me costume. Rest <laughs> in peace, Gino. It was nice <laughs> knowing you. Um, but Paper Mario, I think, was the hit. And I think like kind of solidified this idea that like this could be its own series, not just like a one off. Right. I love Paper Mario. We talked about this a lot in the episode about Bug Fables because Bug Fables was a recent game that like really tried to capture the magic of the older Mario RPGs because after the first two Paper Mario games, the Paper Mario series has kind of splintered off from being an RPG and more trying to be like an action game and they haven't been very good. Um, We both played Origami King, which came out last year and like really loved elements of it, but the fact that they like refused to commit to 
being an RPG or being an action adventure game makes it like have this identity crisis that is just not fun after a while. Yeah. Yeah. It's re- it's really bizarre. It, it's like it's like looking in the mirror and seeing something other than your own reflection. When you play that game. <laughs> right. It's like, OK, we'll give you turn based battles, but you can't level up. And what you get for doing the battles are coins, which you can use to pay toads to end battles. So it's like <laughs> I'm doing battles to not have to do them. Like, what is this? Yeah. Uh, very confusing. Just just kind of a swing and a miss. Although the boss battles in that game were a lot of fun. We talk about that game too at yeah, some point in yeah. the past. All that to say, I think like the point that the Paper Mario series is kind of losing its voice, the Mario and Luigi series was like the you know, if if the soul split in two, the RPG side went to Mario and Luigi, which right. debuted on the Game Boy Advance the Superstar Saga. And it is incredible. I'm having yeah. such a good time with this game. Me too, man. I, I so uh, I, I've done a lot of streams recently on our Twitch. Um, I just streamed like 20 something hours of uh, Death Stranding recently, which was wild. And I was like, I, I did. I, I streamed like 20 hours of Death Stranding on like a weekend, which was like definitely way too much for me to do. But was it was a great experience. I really enjoyed doing it. And I was like, yeah. I'm not going to stream for another like month after this. Like I have, yeah. I'm all streamed out for a while. And then a couple days later, I was like, you know what? Let me just like try something weird. So I loaded up uh, Mario and Luigi's superstar saga kind of like on a whim i just like picked something at random just to like see what it would be like to stream a game boy advance game and i had never played mario and luigi before any of those games i'd always been curious about them but i'd never checked them out uh and started that one just to like do a test to see what streaming gba stuff was like and immediately on stream was like oh my god i love this game like (laughs) this has gone from me just like testing like weird technology shit on my end to like, oh, I'm I'm going to play this game for real. So as soon as I was done with that stream, I, I turned Mario Luigi Superstar Saga into the game that I play every morning. So as soon as I wake up and I'm like waiting for water to boil so I can make tea, uh, so I can uh, film my YouTube show, I'm, I'm playing Mario <laughs> and Luigi Superstar Saga for like, you know, half an hour to an hour. And it's been like the best ritual. Every morning waking up and playing that game is a fucking joy. I love this game so much, Steven. And I'm pissed at myself for not playing it when it came out and everybody was yeah. telling me to play it. Because like everyone I knew had this game on Game Boy Advance at the time. And I was just like, oh, I don't play RPGs. Uh, this is a constant <laughs> refrain for me. Is, is at that age, I was like, I don't play RPGs. Sorry. Uh, I don't, I don't, I, I, I'm not really into that entire genre of video game. And there's no way I ever will be. So why would I even try something I don't like. Um, I only eat mac and cheese and chicken tenders. Um, <laughs> I don't use the oven when I make <laughs> dinner. Sorry. And and now I'm now I'm kicking myself a little bit, but also not because I'm playing it now and enjoying it. So I, I got there eventually. Yeah. I mean, it feels timeless. I think I think the the look of a lot of games on Game Boy Advance is just like incredible. Still, you know, like this Dude, is the like, color palette on the yeah. Game Boy Advance is like striking at times. I think it's like the hardware limitations of the Super Nintendo and the Game Boy Advance, which I think are pretty similar. I think it's like just enough room that you could make things look nice. Yeah. But just enough limitation that you have to be really purposeful with what you use. Right. Yeah. And I think the end result is like a style that is still replicated today and like sought after. Yeah. It's it's incredible. And, and this game looks really nice. It's worth noting there is a 3DS remake, I think. That does not look nearly as good. Really? Right? They, like, of this game? They, they remade this game? I believe so. I believe there's a 3DS version that's like really cleaned up. That's what I saw. I think someone mentioned it in the Discord. But oh, wow. 
if you have a way to play it, play the one on, on Game Boy Advance. There's also, there are two sequels, and the one that a lot of people point to is Bowser's Inside Story, which was on the DS, which you could probably get more easily and play it on your 3DS. If you yeah. didn't sell it after Smash came out, <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> Everyone says that. Oh, I sold it after Smash came out. You fool. Um, anyway, sorry, I, I just insulted a large portion of the audience. I take it back. <laughs> You're not a fool, but, you know, I understand. 3DS had an underwhelming start, but it's become a great time so you know get one if you can yeah but yeah superstar saga it's it has the rpg stuff you want from paper mario or mario rpg it's a little bit more streamlined so like there are turn-based battles but it's it's like all about kind of timing and jumping right a, a, a in joke that was started in mario rpg is that like mario is literally famous for being able to jump like that's like mm-hmm. what people know of him uh so like you know in that game they'll be like oh my god you're the mario can you do the thing and then you're just asked to push a and he just jumps he just jumps and people lose their fucking minds yeah right it's and it's, it's, it's kind of <laughs> it's a great bit but in mario and luigi they like take the bit one step further and like that's really like the main source of combat so you can jump on enemies and, and it's the classic thing where like if you push a or b if you're luigi more on that later if you time your jump perfectly you'll do more damage and as you <laughs> stay level tuned, up dear listener because we're going to talk about that b button <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you sick of Game Boy Advance games that don't use the B button? <laughs> anyway, uh, there are moves you can unlock that are like Mario will like throw Luigi in the air and he just does it back. It's like cra- they're incredibly fun moves that are still all jumping. It's like they laser focus on like how how can you make like a rich RPG combat system that is literally just Mario and Luigi jumping? Yeah. And somehow they have done it. I think you might eventually get a hammer. Yeah, I'm I'm much further in the game. I have oh, okay. I have more than just jumping at this point. But uh gotcha. yeah, for, for for a large portion of the intro, it's just jumping and it's great. And on top of that, like a lot of the game is focused on like puzzle platforming. So it's not platforming in, in a traditional Mario way, but it's like you get kind of like a Zelda overview of the map and eventually you unlock, like you have Mario and Luigi walking kind of like together, like ice climbers. And if you push start, it switches who's in, in charge. Yeah. I don't know why it, I find it so haunting when you switch back to Mario, instead of going, let's go, he goes, let's go. Like, it's, like, it's a little, <laughs> it's like a little flat because of the Game Boy Advance and it like freaks me out every time. Let's go. Yeah, like it's and, like he's being forced into it. It's like when when you press the start button, he's like, no, 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 <laughs> no. And, and you can, and when you change the jump, they'll say it. So Mario can do like a spin jump where he like jumps on Luigi and they like float in the air. What I am also obsessed with is Luigi has a high jump, but when he says hi, it's as if it's a greeting. So he's like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that was on purpose or not. That, I, th- and that I think it said, has to be because the game is very funny. It's incredibly funny. Yeah, the, the top level thing, like my top level takeaway about this game is like it is legitimately hilarious. Yeah, pretty much constantly. I am laughing out loud all the time playing this game. And you and I have talked a lot about like how hard it is to make games that are funny. Um, yeah, that, that, that's been like a weird through line in the podcast over the years. Uh, weird to say over the years anyway and it's not that we were like you know make me laugh like we're not really it's not hard to make me laugh but i think the medium itself is like it's mostly visual so when you when you're trying to make jokes and dialogue it's kind of hard to pull off yeah 
But like, I think it's because I think without voice, it's easier. It's a little bit easier to make like text funny for some mm-hmm. reason. Um, anyway, but continue on, on why this game works for you comedically. I, I Okay, so like on, on the top level, there's the thing that you were just talking about where like Mario is like wildly famous everywhere, you know? So anywhere you go, everybody is like, oh my God, you're the Mario. I'd recognize that mustache anywhere. Um, <laughs> but the, the flip side of it is that Luigi is not as famous sometimes. Yeah. Some people do know who Luigi is. And I, I feel like you can tell that they're like super fans of Mario because they know who Luigi is. But even Bowser has no clue who Luigi is. So like every time you run into Bowser, be like mario and uh green mario get over here yeah um which i i love so so dearly but um uh, on on top of that i think it's just like some of the little uh some of the little things here and there like whenever either of them speak to anyone else they go it's always funny one of the one of the things that made me laugh at first is there's a sign like you're leaving like mushroom kingdom the plot is that uh people from the bean bean kingdom Mm-hmm. Uh, like cursed peach so that whenever she talks like web dings come out of her mouth yeah. and then explode um, <laughs> and like Bowser becomes like a de facto ally because he's like I can't kidnap Princess Peach like this she's She'll gonna blow, blow my, my castle, castle up if she says anything yeah uh, and he's like Mario do something super to fix it <laughs> so then you, you leave the kingdom to kind of like go on uh, Bowser's like airship uh, which and that's the thing too and that's kind of what I was really happy to see is that like the thing I really love about Mario RPG and Paper Mario is that even though they're all kind of like almost satires of Mario, there's still like a very fun fantasy story happening. Mm-hmm. Um, this game, I think, veers more towards comedy even still. Like there is like there are fantasy elements happening, but it's like very much a comedy first, which is fun. Right. But uh, when you're leaving the Mushroom Kingdom, you check a sign. It's like to all residents of Mushroom Kingdom, don't worry, Mario's on it. Luigi will stay and guard the home front. And then it's like a million question marks in parentheses. <laughs> like Luigi's not even supposed to go on the adventure with you. He, he the only reason he's with Mario is because Bowser thought Luigi was like a new recruit. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he gets mistaken for a Koopa. <laughs> And, and, he, and, he, and like, he thinks that he thinks that one of his uh, minions is defecting from like Bowser's army, so he, he goes and chases him down and, and throws him onto the airship to, to um, force him to rejoin the army. <laughs> I also love how this game will give you directions by telling you to not do something a lot. Like mm. uh, in the airship, you have to take photos of Mario and Luigi for your passports, and they're like, definitely don't push any direction on the D pads to strike a pose while we take this picture. Right. So like now in my party menu, both pictures are like the screamer the painting version of Mario <laughs> and Luigi it's so funny it's like so joyful and like like you said it's so it's so rare to find a game that can make you belly laugh um it's just like exciting and fun in a way that I think is almost truer to like both what you want from a Mario game and an RPG than like some of the other ones. Like I think Mario and Luigi Superstar, I would maybe even put above some of the other Mario RPGs. Like I'm not sure which would be my favorite. I think probably the first Paper Mario, but I just think the way this game utilizes like combat and platforming and the writing of it, it's like kind of hitting everything I want from this type of game. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I I am having just like the most fun playing this game. I kind of can't believe how much fun I'm having with it. Um, yeah, especially 
because like you know we took a week off so like i've played a lot of stuff over the past you know week week and a half and I, i'm just like amazed that of all the stuff that i've been playing like mario and luigi superstar saga is the thing that i'm most hyped on and like want to continue playing the most it, it's so fun i i will say there's some stuff it's weird to be like critiquing a game that's this old for the game boy advance but uh <laughs> there, there's some stuff that like i really wish was better in some instances and it usually just comes down to like um some of the platforming stuff like just doesn't work as well because of the limitations of the hardware like yeah it's, it, it's kind of hard to tell um the perspective in some instances it's it hard is. to tell how high some platforms are versus other ones and like where you're actually supposed to go it also has that kind of like late 90s early 2000s um game design in some instances where like it's not super clear where the next place you're supposed to go is but because like i think they're anticipating that this is like the one game like a seven-year-old gets for their birthday <laughs> you'll just spend time on it yeah yeah until like the holidays at the end of the year or something uh, it's like oh you're gonna yeah you're gonna spend the time bumping up against every direction that you can possibly go in until you figure out where you're supposed to go next um i've had enough instances so far where like i've hit a save point and then i've like wandered around for like 20 to 25 minutes and then realize like at the end of those 25 minutes that i'm going the wrong way because i run into an enemy that's like way too difficult for me and then i die <laughs> and have to, have to reload my save back to that save point i just lose 25 minutes it's like actually that's all the time i had to play this game this morning so i just like wasted an entire day not progressing yeah there's some stuff like that but i think i mean overall i'm impressed at how clever some of the designs are like there's one section where there's like a pool of water that if you stand in as mario his suit like fills up with water yeah and then there are these like totems that you can put out out if luigi jumps on mario and then by putting out that fire it activates these like stone faces that then spit out a tornado that if you spin jump into it will continue the like the time in which you can stay in the air yeah so like i, th- I found that really enjoyable but i agree like, there was one point where i actually didn't know where to go and then i just didn't know i could actually fall off a ledge and go somewhere new i'm like oh okay well. yeah that's the kind of stuff i'm talking about like that that kind of like little perspective stuff i i find um a little bit difficult just because of the way the hardware is limited you know like there's just kind of like i don't know how you could make that better really if this is going to be your like version of traversal yeah but that said i mean it works more than it doesn't and th- and that's the irony that i kind of like want to explore is like paper mario as a series has gone more towards like a action adventure type thing yeah but it's not really doing anything that interesting with that idea like i would be fine if they dropped the rpg stuff if they like really did something exciting with that but like Mario and Luigi in its platforming, even though it has this sort of like some rough kind of older design elements to it, is still more interesting than Origami King. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, like, the success of Origami King really just comes down to like really great art direction. You know, like you just want to you just want to be in that place and like explore it. But there's yes, there's no real like interesting, super fun way to explore it. You're just kind of walking around as Mario and every once in a while you have to throw confetti on the ground to fill up a hole so you can go to somewhere else. Um, and then every time you get into a battle, it's like, eh, I don't know. Yeah. Whereas this game, it's a joy to just be there in the world. And then also it's a joy to battle. And also it's a joy to experience like uh, any conversation with any character because it's always funny. Right. And and I mean, even the first Paper Mario also had like outside of combat, you know, Mario had one party mate who would do uh, their combat abilities kind of translated to like what is their special ability for traversal. Mm-hmm. So like the Paracoupa mailman could like fly you over short gaps. Yeah. Um, cool. The, the boo girl can make you invisible stuff like that. That was really fun that like, I can see why people who made that game are like, what if we did more with that? But they haven't, they just haven't done like yeah. anything. <laughs> I shouldn't say they haven't done anything. That's a bit harsh. I, for the record, we both enjoyed origami King, but it was a very frustrating experience that I eventually moved on from. Same. Yeah. Um, 
and like I think going back and, and playing these older games, w- what I really want to play and what I'm sure would make a good episode is uh, Thousand Year Door. Mm-hmm. That's the GameCube Paper Mario. That like that's the one that fans always point to as like this is the gold standard for Mario RPG. Right, and that that gets back to like all our conversations about game preservation, which is right. like, how are we supposed to play that game to play that game? I need to go to the retro store and pay maybe $70 for a copy if they have it. Right. Uh, and then walk back through the seven degree Chicago weather to my Nintendo Wii that is in the bottom drawer of my like forgotten cabinet. Yeah. And hope it works. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I have to buy double a batteries for the Wii remote just to navigate to the menu to start a thousand year door. <laughs> so yeah, there's got to be a better way, Nintendo. All that to say, I'm I'm really really loving this Mario Luigi series. I definitely think I'll pick up Inside Story eventually because that also is like I think that's like the thousand year door of Mario and Luigi. Like mm. That's the one that people highlight. There's another one too that's about like time travel with Baby Mario and Baby Luigi that also like seems to be well liked, but it, it feels like Superstar Saga and Inside Story are like the two to play. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to play more of this and to move on and to see more of this series now, because I, I feel like this has kind of been like a unlock my brain, like limitless pill for this franchise. Um, <laughs> I, I just can't wait to play more of it. Yeah, I'm having the best time. So I, I'm at the point now where I do have a hammer. Uh, so like I can oh, do nice. a little bit more in combat. And like there are some enemies that like if you jump on them because they have spiky backs, like obviously that you shouldn't do that. So you should use a hammer instead. But with that also... When enemies attack you, you have the ability to defend um, and your your defense uh, when you have like jump enabled is essentially like you just kind of try and dodge the attack that's coming at you. And like sometimes if the enemy attacks you by like running at you, you can jump on them and do like a kind of almost parry in a way. Uh, so attack back. But if you have a hammer, you can you can uh, block essentially by like holding the hammer behind you and then smacking them right before they hit you, which is really fun. That's really cool. Yeah, it, it's really interesting. So the, the combat essentially is that like time based, you know, like you choose an attack. So it's jump. And then like if you hit a at just the right time right before you land on them, like you'll do extra damage. The hammer is kind of a similar thing where you that if you have the hammer and you go up to an enemy, they like swing the hammer behind them and then their their hammer shakes a little bit. And if you press a at the right time while the hammer is shaking, you'll do extra damage. And if you wait too long the top of the hammer falls off and you just whack them in the head with the stick and not the actual hammer itself which rules but that said the the thing that does trip me up sometimes is that uh with mario you're doing everything with a right so like you're you're selecting everything with a choosing like okay i'm gonna attack i'm gonna use the the hammer and then the hammer all of that stuff is done with the a button and when you're doing luigi all that stuff happens with the b button and i can't wrap my head around it sometimes like i have such a hard time remembering that i have to control luigi with b only every single time yeah. um because my brain is so trained to think that b is the back button uh, yes so like yes. I, I very frequently will like choose something for mario and then be like uh shit i'm i'm i actually don't think i want to use the hammer or something here so i'm gonna press b and then luigi he just jumps. <laughs> I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> I forgot. Um, and and that also translates to the overworld where uh, you know you're do, you're using A and B to make Mario and Luigi jump. Or if you have like the the special jump or the hammer equipped for Luigi, you know they'll do that stuff or he'll do that stuff if, if you're pressing B. Uh, but then also you have to press uh, the L button to like activate the special jump, and you have to press the R button to activate the hammer. So you're just like in this weird kind of like it doesn't feel. If I maybe 
maybe you'll eventually get into a rhythm. I, I'd like to eventually. But at the moment, I just feel like I, I'm like inputting like hieroglyphics or something. Like I feel like I'm like, <laughs> I feel like I'm translating like a lost language by like pressing the L, R, B and A buttons constantly. And then also the start button to switch who's in front and stuff. It just feels like so convoluted. It's like there has to have been a better way to do this, but I don't really know what it is. And maybe there wasn't a better way, but it does feel like a little bit too much for like me to parse at seven in the morning when I'm playing this game. Uh, <laughs> but I, again, it like I'm still overcoming all of that and having a really good time. Um, totally. But I, I just like I can't wrap my head around it sometimes, especially on some of like the tougher boss battles where like stuff happens very quickly or like attacks will attack Mario and Luigi or Luigi and Mario. And you have to like make sure that you're pressing jump for both of them at the right times is like sometimes that's really hard to do. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if it would have been better if they if they tied the Mario and Luigi actions to the shoulder buttons instead of A and B, because that way, like you could have B as the dedicated cancel button. still. that's the thing. It, yeah. it feels so incorrect to have. And that's actually something about the first Final Fantasy 7 on the PlayStation. Oh. Uh, is that that was like the only game on PlayStation 1 that used circle as the command key. So like. Oh, yeah. X was cancel and circle was command. So it just, it takes some, some getting used to, but once you do, I think it, yeah. Cause, cause that's the way it was in Japan. Yeah. Right. And, and I think until the PS five, I think the PS five is actually the first Sony console officially to have switched to X as the command button. Uh, worldwide. Oh, really? Yeah. Globally now X is the command button. And I, I've seen some stuff about people in Japan, like flipping out. Cause it's like, <laughs> I, I have to unlearn how I've been playing video games yeah. for like 20 years. I mean, it makes sense. Like for the visual, you know, X implies like you're canceling and such, but just the placement yeah. of it, I've been so used to. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I really love Mario and Luigi. I'm I'm really hoping that we see more games inspired by the, the Mario RPGs. I think if I had to compare them to anything else, I think that there's a very there's a, definitely a line or a Venn diagram with the Earthbound series um, mm. and with Undertale. I would say, and that like, well, I think Mother as a series from what I've only played the beginning of Earthbound, but like from what I've gathered of the vibe of those games and from what I have gathered from Undertale is like, well, those games go to very dark places eventually. Yeah. But on the surface is like a lot of like very funny and charming stuff. And Mario RPGs are like, let's just do that. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's just have the charm. And maybe like some fun fantasy moments, but like nothing past like a PG movie, you know, mm-hmm. which and not to say that one is better. It's just interesting to have an RPG that isn't super high stakes, you know, like what is the opportunity to create an RPG that's not about preventing the end of the world but it's just like a goofy bit about peach speaking in webdings like that's the reason yeah it's the MacGuffin that you're just spending time in this world together um i think bug fables is a really great success in that like it was a proof of concept in my eyes of like can you do a mario rpg like in that same spirit but with original characters and the answer is absolutely yes and honestly my main gripe with bug fables is that it's almost like they're way too beholden to like everything in paper mario that yeah. like i wish they just like like you don't need it to be flat you don't need it to be have the cardboard box doorways like i really loved what that game was doing uh with like the lore of the bug kingdoms and the characters like i really had a great time with that game and I hope that I can see more RPGs that are just like comfortable being lighthearted and comedic, yeah. which sounds like a weird thing to wish for. But I think that's that's what you're getting from this series, which I think is why they have such a committed like cult following. So you don't see that very often elsewhere. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I, I so agree with you on that Bug Fables bit, too. Um, if you haven't played Bug Fables, dear listener, I would recommend checking that out. It's, Absolutely. On, it's on the Nintendo Switch. I mean, it's available on most things, but it's available on the Nintendo Switch, which, like, is, as with most things on the Switch, is the best place to play it. It's it's really, really wonderful if you're looking for that exact style of thing, especially if you're, like, listening to us talking about Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga and you don't have a way to play it. Bug Fables is a good alternative at the moment. But I agree with you. Yeah. Like, it didn't need to be a paper aesthetic at all. Yeah. Y- you, you could still do everything that they're doing mechanically and not have it be like pieces of paper that are cut out and traversing a world that is 3d um yeah man (laughs) (laughs) i mean mario and luigi does that they're not too they're not you know cutouts in that game either exactly like there's goofy yeah and I'm so with you too. Like th- this game is, is so wonderful for like kids, you know. Uh, and, yes. and it's it's one of the things that I, I I think I appreciate so much about it. And it feels like there should be more games of this vein. Uh, and it's kind of surprising that there's not. And it, it almost feels like the Paper Mario franchise has kind of gotten away from being that as well in some regards. Because like the combat in Paper Mario Origami King is like it's it, it's like doing like advanced trigonometry. It's like really bizarre um, how, how difficult cool it is to idea. wrap your head around it. Yeah, it is a cool idea, but, but the fact that it's timed the way it is just means that like you can never like truly no i'm I'm not gonna say never because i'm sure we would get a tweet that's like i did it but uh (laughs) i I, I feel like it's really hard to master that and if you're like six like i don't i don't think it's gonna be very easy to figure out how to do the combat and you're gonna love that you get coins that allow you to avoid it right and i think that's something like paper mario is a game that a lot of people including myself played when they were very young and like kind of was their insured rpgs i think this series also acts as like an incredible intro to the genre you yeah because like it, it's it's using familiar ip that you don't need to like learn who these characters are they're kind of poking fun at them in a way that the core games would never do right and it's just a great time it's very welcome I, I think that's maybe why it's a rare thing to find because not many RPGs are this like beginner friendly and it's mm-hmm. tough to be like visually and, and like in vibe for beginners, but also still have a surprising amount of depth to it. Yeah. Weirdly, Bug Fables is like a really tough game. Like that's the thing I, I will say about that is like, and that might be great if you're like a hardcore RPG fan looking for a Paper Mario like, like that's got your name all over it. But yeah. I think there's a place to like kind of ease you into the genre a bit more and i think mario and luigi is doing that yeah that was actually one of the reasons i bounced off of bug fables and and honestly on the on the point about um mario and luigi being accessible or or just being like a great game for like beginners to the rpg genre in general like it almost feels like cold play weirdly enough <laughs> like <laughs> okay where we're like like Coldplay is like one of the biggest bands in the world but everybody loves dunking on Coldplay but like the reason that everybody dunks on them is because they're so big you know it's like you, you just like want to dunk on Coldplay but like they're they're huge because their music is good enough that like millions of people listen to it you know and like regardless yeah. of your own feelings about that band like the fact that they're playing in like every target in CVS and everything is like just because they're extremely successful and that kind of feels like this game as well like this game kind of feels like a, a thing that is like so made for everyone that it, it might be easy to be like like oh this is too easy or whatever but i think that's i think that's why it's successful i think that's why it's so welcoming i think that's why i'm enjoying it so much is like i don't really have to have my brain fully turned on to play and enjoy this game in a way that i did with bug fables and in a way that i did with the paper mario games that i played and, and i think that's that's a really special thing that I, I would like to see in more games, even if it was just accessibility options in those games, you know, even if there yeah. was a way to go into bug fables. And I actually think there is, I think in the 
I think there is right in, in the settings and bug tables. There's a way to like change the way um, the timing works. So like you can. That's an Iconfell. Uh, that was Iconfell. You're right. Yeah. Oh, Iconfell has great accessibility options. Right. Yeah. That was one of the things that was yeah. so wonderful about Iconfell was was this ability to say like I'm going to tone down the timing so it'll be easier to like get perfect timing on things. Um, yeah. I, I think even just including that kind of stuff would make experiences like Bug Fables and Paper Mario better for everyone. Um, right. And and Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga is just kind of like doing that by default. Like it's 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 like basest idea in combat is just like we're going to make it easy and fun at all times. Um, and it's just about like learning the right way to attack and parry enemies um, instead of like knowing how to do it and failing because you can't get the timing down. Absolutely. I also think narratively it must be such a fun game to write for because like no core Mario game is really other than maybe Odyssey which I have a lot of thoughts about and I love that game for doing it but like not a lot of Mario games explore like the relationships between these characters and like nor nor is that like what you want from like I never want a Mario game to like have a S-Link scene with Bowser. I'm so yeah yeah, there's a, they're making a movie right now. I, I think it's Illumination <laughs> Studios is making oh, no. a Super Mario Brothers movie that's like an animated film. And I'm just like so terrified of what that movie is going to be like. Yeah, it's going to be nightmarish. Uh, I mean, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't be so cold, but I, I would be very pleasantly surprised if it was passable. Anyway. <laughs> I think that like being tasked with writing an RPG in the world of Mario is pretty much like a blank slate, but some things are already taken care of for you where it's like, okay, I know it's like a magical fun world and there's kingdoms and like you can just have fun with it in a way that's almost like you're writing something that's public domain, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And that's why I think the games have such a unique charm is that like they're taking this plotless, meaningless world (laughs) and making an adventure. (laughs) It's very fun and they do such a great job. I mean, Paper Mario and and Mario RPG are so whimsical and like have the like adventure beats you want in a Final Fantasy. Yeah. And Mario Luigi too. Mario Luigi is almost a little bit more like Hitchhiker's Guide about it where it's like very kind of like winking at the camera a lot, but in a way that doesn't feel like jarring or like draining. You know, it's not like Deadpool where it's like, (laughs) I'm a video game character. You know, it's like, it's just, it's just like, it's just good. It's a good time. I have nothing else to say about it. I love it. I love Mario Luigi. Get a bit of bow. Yeah, it's like so, it's so it's so much. I, I I realize I really love voices on the Game Boy Advance. Oh my <laughs> god, it's yeah. just compressed enough. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Um, I do I do really appreciate that the, that the stats are like all the normal stats. It's like it's like health, uh, power, defense, defense yeah. speed, and then at the bottom, it's mustache. Is the last right. stat? Did you figure out what that does? I did I figure it out. Did you? No. What is it? It's luck. It's the luck stat. So you make oh your mustache God. bigger, which which makes you luckier, uh, and, and you end up doing critical hits more frequently. That is incredible. I'll have to I'll have to give more. Bo- oh yeah, when you level up, it's kind of a cool system where like your stats all increase. And then you can choose which stat to give a bonus. And there's yeah. like a roulette that gives it between one, one, it's one and to three, three points. points. Yeah. It's a nice way. It's like, and that's, I think, kind of what sums up like how deep the battling is, where it's like they're taking care of like the grunt work for you, but they're giving you just enough creativity that like you feel like you're, you have some kind of management over the characters. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I've been spending a lot of time so far just like figuring out how Mario and Luigi are leveling up differently uh, so I can yeah. figure out like how I want to spec them out differently as well, which is like <laughs> a really wild thing to be thinking about is like, how do I yeah. want to spec my Mario and my Luigi? What bonus points I want to put in? I've got Void Titan Luigi. Uh, he's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think we'll probably I know I will eventually revisit or not revisit, but I'll eventually check out Inside Story. So we might talk about that one day soon. Yeah, it really makes me want to play um, Super Mario RPG, which has been on my like list oh my of things God. I wanted to play forever uh, and just have they should really add that to the store because I can't imagine like Square would be against it. Like Square and Nintendo seem to be pretty like chill with each other. Right I think now. they released it on um, on the Wii U virtual console. I think it was on the oh, Wii and Wii yeah. U virtual console. So like I think I think they've like worked out those licensing rights before. I hope they're not like, oh, we put it on the Wii U, but no one bought it. It's like, yeah, well, no one bought a Wii U. That's why no one got it. <laughs> the Wii U digital store is like a gold mine. You can get Earthbound. You can get all this stuff. Yeah, man. That, it, ju- it just gets back to like the really confusing thing about the March 31st situation with, with right. Nintendo where like what's going to happen on March 31st. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a possibility and I don't I do not expect this, but I would be very happy if the big announcement was like some kind of like, you know, access to the vault, some kind of like some real virtual console. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because like the fact that it's like, OK, these old Mario games are only available till this date. The, the first Fire Emblem is only available to this date. All those games are are retro in some way on various systems. Does that are they temporary because there's going to be a way to get all of them at some point, or is this a cash grab? Yeah, <laughs> I would not be surprised if it's the latter. But I'm hoping that there's something something with the form. I don't think that's too far fetched to maybe dream for. Yeah, again, I mean, as we mentioned many times, like the Switch is based uh, kind of off of Android, like Android's operating system. Yeah, and and, and like it's really really easy to emulate stuff on android so like i don't think it would be too far-fetched to say that nintendo like knows that that's possible and like would rather do that but at the same time like i i'm kind of with you i do think it's like a fomo situation i do think it's a cash grab and i think like come march 31st the only thing that's going to happen is like a financial advisor at nintendo is going to look at the last week of march's financials and be like man we sold a lot of video games this week we should do this every year and that's going to be the the big bummer is like every year is going to be like oh yeah this stuff's only available until march 31st just because that's when our financial that's when our fiscal year tax season yeah just just so they can prove that they can like turn their own internal fiscal year into like a a big nintendo holiday which which is like my nightmare that would be a bummer but either way there's gonna be something announced in march so i hope that it's maybe somewhere in the middle We'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm just waiting for them to have a Nintendo Direct that's like, we weren't kidding. All this stuff's gone forever now. That's our big announcement. (laughs) Every week we'll be deleting a game for good off of your Switch. (laughs) And you can't buy it anymore until you're left with nothing. (laughs) We're going to send someone to your house to give you a weird pill that's going to make you forget you even played it. If you want your games back, you got to go to the new Nintendo theme park and kick Toad's ass. And then maybe he'll give you one back. But then you got to wait a day and do it again. Okay? Don't underestimate Toad. The dude is tough. He's okay? not even in Smash Brothers because he'd be overpowered. He's got very defensive tactics. And he plays mind games. He won't be the same person after fighting. <laughs> Did you get Breath of the Wild back? Yeah, but I don't know if I can play this anymore after what Toad showed me. <laughs> Go ahead, eat my head. Go ahead, eat it, eat it, bite my head. <laughs> bite the red spot, bite it, bite my head off. <laughs> uh, I don't want my games back. Take my, here, take my wallet. <laughs> Thanks for nothing, Nintendo. Happy March 31st, asshole. <laughs> Go ahead, eat me! Eat me! <laughs> I've got a tail that no one knows about! Uh. Oh man, I can't stop thinking about after what Toad showed me. 
It's like I've been reading One Piece for the first time, which I'm really enjoying. Yeah. And like whenever Luffy is like, I'm going to go to the Grand Line. They're like, no, don't go to the Grand Line. It's like that. It's like, no, 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 you don't want to fight Toad. It's not what you think it is. (laughs) Breath of the Wild isn't worth it. (laughs) He gave me a cup with my name written on it, but it was empty. I didn't know what it meant. (laughs) (sighs) Anyway, wow. You want to you wanna take a break and move on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> he kept poking me in the eye and saying, what of it? He showed me a VHS of my own birth and he was there. <laughs> <laughs> he said, go ahead, call your dad. And I called him and it was him it on was the other him. Toad was my dad. Yes, how can I help you, son? Eat me! (laughs) I called my dad and Toad's cell phone rang. (laughs) He still uses a flip phone. He said, go ahead, call for help, but I couldn't say vowels out loud anymore. (laughs) I told you, you should have eaten me when you had the chance. Here's my Ricardo Deluxe back. Okay, do you want to take a break? I, I think I have to, yeah. <laughs> After what Toad showed me, I think I need some time. I think this is what happens when we take a week off. It's like pent-up Toad energy that we have to unleash. <laughs> here's, a, here's a question for you, mm-hmm. just you know, while we're exploring this. So Toad is, it, there's many Toads, right? Yeah, yeah. Is the Toad that's featured in all the Mario games, Mario Party, all that kind of stuff, is that the same Toad, or is like every week, every March 31st, Miyamoto like has a tournament where like one Toad can be in the <laughs> roster? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it'd be a little unfair if it was the same Toad every time, right? Right. Because in, in like Mario Kart 64, Toad is like, yeah, <laughs> and every other game is like, ah, hi! <laughs> it's like totally like that's a different energy. It's a different person. It's a different reading. If I was an empath, I'd be like, I'm getting nothing from the second one. You know, <laughs> that is pure energy. It's like a fire. It's yeah. a chemical reaction. Yeah. I wonder what the lifespan of a Toad is. Because like if it's, it's if day. it's like a, it's a day long. They it, just know. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah, like a fly. Yeah. Like a house fly. Um, yeah. Because I, I, I wonder like if they're if they're like a living walking mushroom, you know. Like how long, how long can a mushroom stay above ground? You know, how disconnected from its root system. How long do most mushrooms live? (laughs) Let's see. Find out a good rule of thumb. I love the way this starts. Mushroom lifespan. This is the first Google result. Great. From growcycle.com. How long do mushrooms last? A good rule of thumb is that fresh mushrooms can last in the refrigerator for about a week. Depending on the variety, the actual amount. So this is, okay, this is like to eat, but what's the life cycle? Here we go. Uh, well, no, I mean, that, that's perfect, actually, because like toads are mushrooms that are that are removed from the ground, you know? They're walking <laughs> around, true. so I, I think they last a week. <laughs> So it is a different toad every time. Yeah, I wonder wow. I wonder if the culture of the toad kingdom is essentially something along the lines of like every week we have to like elect a new toad to be capital T toad, you know? Mm. Gotcha. That's why you ended up with the Hi! guy cuz like, uh, we've been putting this off for months. <laughs> <It's your turn. laughs> there hasn't been a lot of moist soil to grow new toads. So I guess you're in charge this week. Sorry, yeah. pal. <laughs> Okay, I think we should move on. Yeah, I really need to. Thanks. (laughs) Talk to you soon. Goodbye. 
short of maybe Cats 2019, I think never have we actually needed a break more. Normally it's a formality, but this is actually like, not to say I didn't really enjoy Toad lore, but I yeah. think I needed a little bit of a, a, a palate cleanser reset. Yeah, I went um, outside. It's snowing really hard outside, but I, I yeah. did just try and stare directly towards into where I think the sun is um, <laughs> just to like really clear my mind. I had a bowl of yogurt with honey in it. It was delicious. I talked to you. It's off, a much healthier off. thing than what I did. <laughs> you both, you get vitamin D somehow. Choose your route. Renegade yeah. or Paragon, baby. But uh, yeah, so hey, you know what I did recently? Uh, I've been so into my like Game Pass, like uh, just sort of spelunk, like just what is what is here that I'm going to enjoy. Mm. But I finally downloaded Donut County and I beat it in one sitting. Yeah, that's how you should play that game. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think it's also alongside Carto and, and a few other games we talked about on Game Pass. Like, I think it's a game that really benefits from being on Game Pass because it's so like immediately unique and alluring that like I couldn't put it down. And it's like the perfect like it's you know, a couple hours long tops. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think like maybe three, like maybe, maybe three. three. Yeah. yeah. It is published by Annapurna uh, and our muse. Our muse. <laughs> I almost forgot it this time. I should be careful. Uh, but uh, uh, it's very Katamari-like. That's sort of the elevator pitch. Is like, instead of rolling around... In Katamari, you roll around this like strange ball that picks up small objects and eventually is picking up like people and buildings and then like, you know, continents. It's, it's this exponential thing that's like really weird and really fun. Donut County, you're a, racco- you're a raccoon named BK who has an app on a tablet where he controls a hole in the ground. And the more things that fall in the hole, the bigger the hole gets. It has a little bit more focus than Katamari does in terms of like, there's usually like only kind of a finite area. And you sometimes have to figure out like, how do I get the hole big enough to like get this part of it? Or there might be light puzzle stuff. Like there's a really fun one where like, you've got to light a firework and then like have the lit firework fall into the hole to like- And then shoot back out of the hole, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, and then shoot someone who's like lounging on a cliff above you. Right. Or like you might you might have to like bring the hole over a lake so you can take some of the water from the lake and use it to like splash water somewhere else and things like that. Exactly. Uh, a really fun moment, too, is you go to this restaurant that like just sucks more on that later. But like there's cockroaches everywhere and there's water. You can fill the hole. And you learned earlier in the game that like this sort of like duck toy that like dips its beak in the water will drain you of water. You've got to like get salt and pepper poured into the water and have like the duck drink it. Otherwise, if if the bugs get into the hole, it like poisons the soup and he'll throw up. So like there's a lot of like really intuitive and like tight design going on in, in what could be like a very chaotic, formless game. Yeah. That sometimes like I, I love Katamari, but sometimes it can feel like that where it's like just so chaos. And I think Wadham definitely felt like that where as as joyful as that game was, there was like no real structure. It was just like eventually just like running around like laughing, yeah. which is what the intention of the game was. So it's not like, right. Yeah. It's supposed to be a sandbox, but but I I think in some instances, especially in one like Donut County, it's much nicer to have a little bit more like narrative and a little bit more structure. Yes. And I think it really pays off in like the kind of level design, uh, the focus, the soundtrack is incredible. It's on Spotify and like really good. We announced that our, our bonus episode this month is going to be about our favorite game soundtracks. And like Donut County is likely to appear on that for me. Oh, wow. Um, Cool. 
I, I really loved it. Yeah. And I think it just, it adds sort of a different note to the vibe of the game that isn't present in the graphics or in the dialogue that I think like really complements the whole experience really well. Cause the, the soundtrack is like, it's very like a beep. It's like a little bit atonal and like a little bit like, uh, it's just very unique, you know, and, and, and when there is like vocal singing, it's kind of like cut off and weird. Like I just, I really liked the vibe it, it made and I can't quite describe what it is, but it's just like very exciting, similar to Katamari in that sense where like there's often a clash between the music and what's happening on screen. Yeah. So it's like very calming music when it's like, you know, chaos happening in this town. What I really love is like, like in Katamari, whenever you finish rolling up a level, the king of all cosmos, who's like maybe the best fictional character in existence is like, Ooh, you did well. This Katamari is big enough or not big enough. And that's kind of the, the whole narrative is a sort of like weird cult like gaze of what a Katamari is and how it's better to be bigger and bigger. Yeah. Which I think it's been confirmed that that game is like a satire on capitalism, but that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> but with Donut County, it's really nice that like there is this very strong narrative. I was so surprised at how taken in by the story I was. It's very silly, you know, like. But what's cool is that you're you're playing, you know, with this hole as BK and then it will cut to like the whole town and all its residents underground sitting around a fireplace being like, fuck you. Why'd you do that? Like, yeah. And and BK's friend, who's like sort of the other protagonist who worked at the store and eventually was like, hey, BK, this has gone far enough. Like you're, there's there's someone's house to you like because it the, the, the joke is that. They have a donut shop and a donut to BK is a hole in the ground. So if you order a donut, you end up just like having everything you love fall into a hole. Right. And what is really clever is that whenever you're done with a level, there's something called the Trashpedia. That's like like a Pokedex of all the items that have fallen in. And they're all like through that like raccoon's perspective. So it's like... I'm trying to remember some, but like everything is trash unless proven otherwise, basically. Right. <laughs> and it's all like through the logic of like, oh, of course, a donut is just a hole in something that gets like cleared up a little bit later when you meet the raccoon king who wants like everyone's trash. And it's like you have to there's a moment of redemption where BK, you know, fights against him. But like what I really enjoyed was this arc of like BK causing chaos in the town and everyone kind of sharing their story of like what BK did to them. And seeing like the friendship be challenged between uh, the girl and, and the raccoon and then like eventually she gives him a taste of his own medicine and then they like team up to like bring everyone back. Yeah. But it's it's just talk about a, a game that makes you laugh. This game is so funny that like, the writing is so sharp and like is done kind of like in a guildling style where a lot of it is through like text, but it doesn't feel like it's like trying to be current in a way that is like immediately dated. It's just like very authentic and like the the part that made me like belly laugh is like there's a point where you finally you know save the day and and you're trying to like launch everyone up back to the surface and like you know there's one guy that's like says something really creepy and they're like thanks for throwing us dude see you and like everyone like everyone has a great bit like that i just really love this game i i i think as we do the show and i've said this a million times i really love games that are like we're gonna commit to one idea and like do that for like a couple hours and like leave you wanting more you know i think that that's so rare and so hard to pull off um and this game was just incredible from start to finish i had such a fun time playing it i was yeah. so grateful for it it's really good how'd you how'd you feel about playing it on the xbox with analog six and stuff i thought it was great honestly i mean i think 
because the soundtrack is so good, I think that like whether it's a speaker system or good headphones, you want one or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also like really beautifully designed. I mean, it's in kind of like a almost Kentucky Route Zero <laughs> style of like very like faceless polygonal characters. Yeah, but, like, just much more, more colorful. Yeah, <laughs> much. Yeah, there's not just coffee brown and black. Uh, yeah, yeah, or chiaroscuro lighting. Uh, it's just a little bit more upbeat but yeah i thought it was i thought it was great i mean i know this started off on on mobile devices right right yeah yeah that's why i was curious so i I played it on the switch um this is a game that goes on sale for like two dollars on the switch like very frequently so i I played it on switch at some point last year i don't even remember when it might have even been two years ago at this point might have been 2019 but i think it was yeah yeah, I, I played it a long time ago, um, and, and just like you, kind of had an amazing experience with it. And it's been a game that I recommend to like literally everybody. Like yeah. anytime, you know, be, we, we do this podcast, and I think a lot of people in my life are aware of that. So they come up to me and they'll say like, "Hey, what game should I get next, or what should I play?" Dono County is always on the list of games that I recommend yeah. to like pretty much literally every person, and and everybody who plays it always like if I give somebody a list of games and I'm like, I think you should start with Dono County, they always come back to me after playing Dono County and they're like, "That game ruled." Like that yeah. of all the of all the games I ever recommended to people, the one that I always get response back from is Donut County. Um, yeah. yeah, it's so it's so wonderful. It's so um, it's so accessible. And, and I just really love it. That's the thing. It's 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 a very easy recommendation for everyone. I mean, I've successfully started a three houses cult, but like I would <laughs> you need to like a certain game to really love that game, I think. Yeah. Whereas Donut County like literally is for everyone. I mean, uh, another scene I want to bring up that made me belly laugh was uh, it's the restaurant where like everyone is like sharing like yeah I, bk ruined my yard or my my garden or whatever mm-hmm. and they're like yeah he ruined my restaurant everyone's like dude your restaurant sucks shit like, yeah, your restaurant so was bad. already bad like that's the one good thing the raccoon did and then you go there and it's like <laughs> cockroaches everywhere and everyone's throwing up and then you send him back he's like you should come to my restaurant they're like absolutely not <laughs> oh one of the trash pedias it's a. Uh, he has he has a soup and it just says, "What can I say? I hate this." <laughs> like, I, just, I don't know what it is. I always love when a work of fiction just decides that like one person is gonna be like the butt end of all jokes. You yeah, know, like yeah. it's so funny. Um, but yeah, that 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 was so. It's just so joyful and like it is heartfelt too. Like it ends on a note that like I felt really happy with. Um, it's not like a deep emotional game, but it definitely has enough narrative structure that like you want to see how it plays out. Yes. Um, which is impressive for how like a reverend it is. Yeah. Donut oh, County. A plus Donut County. Funny game. Made me it, laugh. It's on Xbox game pass and you can go play it at your convenience. Yeah. I think this is one that's like, sometimes there'll be a game that's like specifically better on mobile or not. And this is, I think probably good everywhere, but I had a great time with it on, on the big screen. So yeah, I haven't played it on mobile, but I've heard it's really wonderful. So I, I don't yeah. know if you have a phone, you can go get Donut County and you'll have a good time with it. Hell yeah. Want to move on? Yes, let's do that. Back to the show. Steven, I want you to tell me about a game you're playing. Fine. All right. I'll do it. Uh, Take it with a Mario. Yeah. Uh, hey, in doing this show, I've often mentioned I have a God Quest. Is that a term? God Quest? Uh, I say it all the time. So yeah. I, I, I hope it is. I have a, a goal. I'll say that. It's a little dramatic. I'm like, <laughs> I like God Quest, but you know, whatever. <laughs> I have a goal. I, I'd imagine, like to... imagine if the clouds parted and some like big ancient deity was like, I bestow upon you this quest. And then you went around telling people like, I have this like little personal goal that I want to accomplish. <laughs> I, have a, I have a pet project that may or may not be given to me by Hephaestus, the Greek goddess smithing. <laughs> Roman equivalent is Vulcan, hence the name Volcano. 
I've been playing Final Fantasy Tactics Advance, <laughs> uh, which I'm very excited to talk about. I've mentioned before that I eventually want to experience every Final Fantasy. Yeah. I'm pretty close, honestly. Not to say that we're going to talk about all of them, because I feel like there are probably some that we will not like. <laughs> I'm like worried it's going to be the case of 13 based on my time with it. Oh, man. Yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, honestly, still wouldn't give that game more time. But, uh, you know, I just want to know where I fall. We recently had a bonus episode about Dragon Quest, which as we discussed in that episode is a series that has never really changed, whereas Final Fantasy is constantly changing. And I think it's really interesting to see like which of the series resonates strongest with us. You know, where mm-hmm. do we fall? Like you really love 12 and, and 14 and I've kind of fallen in almost like the more MMO ritualistic side of the game where it's more about the setting than maybe about the cast. Yeah, I can't I can't believe I mean, I kind of can believe it, but uh <laughs> <laughs> oh man, they also just complete non sequitur, but they, uh, they, I guess it, this is a sequitur. Uh, they just announced um, Final Fantasy fourteen is coming to PS5. Uh, and oh, they're like, they're right like, on. They're like making a bunch of changes to make it work on PS5, uh, which I'm really excited about. It's, it's like faster load times, going to be in 4K. It's going to look better. I, I'm just amped about that. There's also an expansion that's going to be on the moon. So like, <laughs> great. why not? Uh, yeah. and, oh, and I think they're adding more to the... Um, the demo as well. So I think up through Realm Reborn was in the demo, right? Um, now the demo also includes Heaven, uh, includes Heaven's Word. Oh God, we got to go back and do it. Like we got to yeah. see. Over time, we will see the other expansions. That's one of like the four games I have downloaded on my PS5. I have like yeah. a couple games actually on my PS5 hard drive, and one of them is Final Fantasy 14. And I have gone back and played it a little bit here and there. Hell yeah! I mean, I'm like right at the end of Realm Reborn, so I really want to see what's up with the later yeah. ones because we love that, and it only gets better. We're gonna have a great time. Yeah, and that goes that that's proof of the concept. It's like neither of us really thought that 14 was for us, and we both became like huge fans of it. Yeah, because totally. I had never really been into MMOs, and there's a whole episode about it you can find it all i have to say in secret in the shadows i have in this time and doing the show purchased final fantasy tactics for the playstation one and that game is is very beloved it, it's apparently got an incredible story it takes place in ivalice which is the recurring setting that's in the tactics games 12 vagrant story seemingly 16 potentially uh we don't know for sure i don't know if it is but it sure feels like an ivalice game yeah and and 14 almost spiritually kind of feels like ivalice a lot of games have have appeared here it's like the one like more concrete piece of like continuity in the final fantasy universe for some reason yeah and it feels like uh i think you described 12 as like what if the prequels were good it does feel like that. yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so I I got Tactics for the PlayStation One. That is also another game that I rented, not knowing what it was. I rented Final Fantasy Tactics on the PlayStation One, like right after I had played Seven for the first time when I was like nine, and I was like, "What is this?" And I kind of bounced from it like real hard, but I'd heard all this praise for it, and I picked it up again. And honestly, I still can't get into the PlayStation One version. Mm. Surprisingly, if you're listening to this and you're a big Tactics fan and you think I should give it another shot please tell me like i'm inviting that pressure (laughs) yeah because i i just had such a rough time with it because like the game begins in the first battle in the the tutorial you can only control one character so you're watching like a full ass like 15 minutes worth of tactics battles that you can't control at Uh, all okay so that's happening and then you get to control one person and all you can do is throw a rock Um, and okay. I, I remember that distinctly as a nine-year-old and I'm like, oh, that was probably nine-year-old Steve, like not fully understanding. I'm like, no, 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 no. I got it. I got what was 
being given to me. <laughs> this is all I can do. But I knew there had to be more. So I, I played it more and I, you know, it does, it does pick up a little bit, but like I just bumped into a lot of PS1 stuff with it where like it was so, it took so long for matches to progress and like the opportunities to save were not very frequent. So like I would have a lot of progress undone and I'm like, I'm already on like thin ice with this game. Mm-hmm. The fact that I have to undo, I have to redo a match that I didn't particularly enjoy even is like, oh, so I, I kind of just like, I'm like, maybe this isn't for me, but I, I it, it's so beloved. It, it's apparently got an incredible story. And it's got a follow-up. It, it started the Tactics spin-off series. There are two more games. There's Final Fantasy Tactics Advance, and uh, there's Final Fantasy Tactics Advance 2, I think, for the DS. So I was like, I want maybe I should check out a different game in the series. And I, I had heard great things about the Advance version. And Brendan, I am having a night and day experience. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, I love Tactics Advance. And maybe that's a hot take. I don't know. I feel like everyone kind of talks about the first one. And it's also worth noting... There's a PSP version of the first game that I imagine probably makes it more enjoyable. Mm. Just like inherently, I, I imagine like it's like a, it's like a full remake. Yeah, I mean, I, from what little I know, it's like localized better, and it's also like got some improvements in like the gameplay. So like maybe like the best version to check out is the PSP one. Also, I think this kind of game, like a tactics game, just works so well in handhelds in a way that it doesn't on the full screen. Yeah, that I wonder if that's enough to like make it worth checking out. All I just say advance begins weirdly kind of like Nino Kuni we are in like a seemingly like 50s-esque like suburb and it begins with these three kids like in the playground uh, and there's one kid who's getting bullied people are throwing snowballs at him and you the protagonist who you name and this girl uh, kind of stick up for the kid and it begins a snowball fight kind of like uh, Last of Us Part 2 it teaches you the mechanics of the game via snowball fight so <laughs> okay. in that you and, and weirdly that was so much better than watching like a AI control tactics map for 15 minutes in the first one Mm-hmm. Like see, like learning how to move the characters and how like facing in a different, you know, when when you move your characters, it's kind of in like a isometric grid system, and when their turn is over, you actually choose which direction they're facing in, um, because attacking characters from the side or back can do different amounts of damage. Yeah, cool. Um, so there's like a ref in the snowball fight who's like. If you throw a snowball when they're facing away from you, that's real good. You really want to do that. Yeah. Uh, Everybody loves so to d- be sucker punched. <laughs> <laughs> so that happens. And then, you know, the, the plot progresses and you go, uh, you go to your house and you invite your new friends over and you're reading through a book and it like looks like weirdly magical. Um, and like, I don't know what this is, but it seems like it's a magical book. <laughs> and one of the kids just mentions like, I really love Final Fantasy. Like, I wish I could live there instead of here where I get bullied uh, every day. Monkey's uh, paw so, curls. Yeah. So then they all end up in the world of Final Fantasy, which like could be like really corny. And like, I guess it is conceptually, but like it works for me in a way. Like it mm-hmm. works for me, like in a way Nino Kuni did where like they're kind of just escaping to this other world, you right. know? And like, it's a really simple setup for like what is like a much more lighthearted and like fun take on it it feels like i mean talk about accessible it feels way more accessible than place uh, the playstation version did uh in terms of tone and also in terms of them like actually teaching you how to play it and at all but it, it just like it picks up so immediately like there's one mission like once you end up in the new world you're like isolated from your friends you're in this town and you see the bongas uh the lizard people that are the guy in 12 was like ah Vaughn, i want some food stuff so that yeah. guy uh you call one of them a lizard by accident and they get so offended they're like gonna fight you and then a moogle named mont blanc shows up Ooh. and he's like no 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 forgive my friend he doesn't know what he's talking about 
and that's like the tutorial battle. What's really fun is that, so, you know, you get these really colorful settings and that's the thing too. It's like, it just looks so good. The PlayStation 1 game is like very muted and like kind of ugly in terms of the color choice. This game is like so just like shockingly colorful in a good way. Um, And it's got the like, the Game Boy Advance sprites for like any RPG are just like timeless. Like I just love the look of this game still. And even like, Outside of the the kind of cartoony sprites, the the art of like the characters' faces, like in in the same pixel art, is like really detailed and it's got a really cool art style. Like the way even Montblanc looks is like he he looks different than most Moogles do. Where usually they've got like the big nose and everything. Mm-hmm. He looks yeah. more like kind of like a red wall mouse, which I oh cool, you know, I love that. Yeah. And yeah, then he just, you know, you tell him like, oh, I, I'm from a different world. He's like, okay, well, I guess I'll help you out in the meantime. And then it just, it just throws you in and you're like in charge of a, a guild and you recruit these kind of like randomly generated characters in your party who are all different races of evilly. So you've got the lizard people, the, the bunny girls and all that stuff, the humans. Um, and they're all different classes. And like, what's really fun is that as you level them up, you get different job points. So kind of like Octopath, you can like play around with like what class they are and oh, like nice. there's different trees with that. So I have like a, a warrior monk who is like all about like hand to hand combat. I've got an archer. It's re- it's like immediately fun. It's just so fun. And like I get that the PlayStation game probably has the better story, but I don't mind this game not. And I, I imagine it picks up because I've heard that it gets like a little bit higher stakes, but I don't mind this game, especially a tactics game, just sort of being like, we know what you're here for. We're going to give you like a lot of fun customization, really strategic battles. The battles are tough. Like you got to really figure out how the characters work and uh, but they give you just enough room to succeed that it doesn't feel like overwhelming. And what's really neat, too, is like the, the overworld map you based on the available missions, you place where the next thing is. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like you're making the map as you play it. And in the battles, there is a character in like heavy armor on a Chocobo called the judge. Ooh. And every battle he'll be like, OK, here are the laws of this battle. So one battle might be like you can't use these weapons or you can't use these items or these strategies. So you have to work around that. If you don't, you get like a soccer red card. And if you break it too many times, <laughs> that character gets sent to jail. And like you can literally visit the jail in a town and like try to pardon them. So it's just like, oh man, it's just so much fun. I'm having the best time playing this game. Yeah, I love that. I have a, qu- I have a question about the actual tactics part of it, though. Um, yeah, go for it. How, when, when, my question about this game has always been like the tactics part of it. Is it like Advance Wars Fire Emblem kind of tactics or is it really just like Final Fantasy battles that just like have a little bit more uh, a little more like, I guess, uh, sandboxiness to, to its approach to combat? Um, that's a great question. So it's, I guess, more similar to Fire Emblem, but it's less like I feel like in Fire Emblem and in Advance Wars, there's like a notion that the battle is over as soon as you initiate combat. Like yeah. every now and then one unit will be left with more or less health. But like usually if you want your intention is like to take out one enemy in one hit. In this game, battles are more prolonged because you're rarely going to like one shot someone. So mm-hmm. like, let's say I'm on a map and I send Mont Blanc to cast fire on a square. Yeah. Fire hits multiple squares at once. So you have to be careful not to hit your own allies. Pro okay. tip. Yeah. So like you'll cast fire and then it will do, you know, X damage to the person there. And then you end your turn by moving him somewhere else. So it's like yeah. a little bit more concerned with enemy placement 
And, you know, when you attack, you instantly do like an animation that does the damage, but it's it's uh, it's less like over in one hit than the other two games are. Does that clear it up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm just really yeah. interested in the kind of um, landscape of this kind of game for the Game Boy Advance. It seems like this was like a, a, a weird trend that continued to happen. So like yeah. Final Fantasy Tactics Advance, I think is a great example. Fire Emblem obviously becoming, you know, what it became because of the Game Boy Advance versions. Uh, Advance Wars 1 and 2 starting on the Game Boy Advance and then um, uh, what was the other one? Oh, uh, Mega Man Battle Network uh, and Kingdom yeah. Hearts Chain of Memories also kind of weirdly enough like taking these established franchises that are more like action combat focused and uh, deciding that the the version they want to make for the Game Boy Advance is more of like a, a battle tactics thing. I, I think it's a really interesting trend that was like just happening for a couple of years there but has actually rippled out in, in making, you know, larger franchises and larger oh, things yeah. happen. Um, I think that's really cool. I, I, it's a really bizarre, but a uh, great choice. I think I think it just like is a really smart way of taking this like established IP that we all like know and love and finding a way to adapt it to like a yes, um, a more limited, I, I think, technological space. It, it just it just feels very smart. Yeah. It almost weirdly feels like the whole idea that like, can we do a Mario RPG spinoff? It's like, can we do a tactic spinoff of Final Fantasy? Yeah. And just use like the world of Ivalice as the setting. Yeah, I mean, I think what's cool, too, is that, like, the characters all still play uniquely. So, you know, the white mage can, like, heal from a distance. Mm-hmm. There's archers that, you know, and, and there's a lot of verticality where there isn't as much in Fire Emblem. Like, there will be, you know, characters above you and below you. And, like, you can use that strategically, which I think is really fun. Yeah. Because you had this sort of isometric view. Uh, I think it's incredible. I mean, I... I would love now to revisit the first one and see if I can get more into it. But honestly, like tactics advance is giving me like what I wanted to get from the PlayStation one version. Yeah. in like a quicker way, you know, it's like it just giving me what I want immediately. Yeah. Uh, I might give myself some homework, I think, and go check out the PSP version. Um, yeah, I can go do that. So maybe, maybe I'll maybe I'll check that out and report back and let you know how that is. Yeah, I've heard mixed things about the sequel to uh, Tactics Advance, uh, A2, but the the first one and, and this one seem to be like the ones to check out. I kind of wish they made more. It seems weird that they like sort of stopped this, but yeah. uh, you know, who knows? There are so many Final Fantasy spinoffs. Like there, there are so many different like <laughs> Shockable I, I understand Racing, why they're like Crisis yeah. Core. Yeah, probably hard to but keep no, track of all of them. It's a it's a really great time. If you like tactics games, I think this is a must. I think it's and it's also very focused on like character growth and and class experimentation, which I really love. I love like the way the different jobs are designed. You know, the the design of all the classes is really cool. It's like thieves have the bandana, mm. black mages have like the iconic hat and glowy eyes. Yeah, Aiden um, Pierce's iconic cap. <laughs> <laughs> right now I have Mont Blanc as a black mage. So, you know, it's, great. Great. it's probably just Mont Blanc, but I can't stop. Sorry for my mock French. I apologize. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's all I really have to say for now. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep playing it, so I might bring it up again. I'm sure it will come up in the future somehow. But uh, yeah, it's it's an incredible time. I love it. Yeah, cool. Final Fantasy Tactics Advance, a game that is, I guess, hard to play still. Ugh. Yeah, this is also another one that like uh, again, this is gonna be us for the rest of the show. But this is another one that like should be on Switch, especially this one. You yeah. know, like yeah. this is the Switch is also great, weirdly for tactics games. I mean, we got Three Houses, mm-hmm. Into the Breach, uh, a lot of good stuff. So TikTok, oh, Into the Breach, Into the Breach, great game, great time. That's a really good. You, game. Want, you want to move on? Oh, I'm so I'm excited about playing Into the Breach again. You should. That's a game that you can just play like indefinitely. Honestly, oh, yeah, so good. 
What right. are my top five of 2018? Okay. Oh. Eject. 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 <laughs> Let's move on. All right. Let's move on. See ya. Goodbye. Steven, we've returned. Hey. Hey. Uh, I want to tell you about an extremely good game I've been playing on Xbox Game Pass recently. Hell yeah. What is it? Uh, so a wonderful, wonderful thing that has happened recently in the world of Xbox Game Pass is they've added every Yakuza game yeah. to the service. Uh, every single one is now available with the exception of Judgment, which is uh, the, the PS4 only spinoff game, uh, which, believe it or not, also just got announced to become cross-platform soon enough. They're, they're making a next-gen oh, cool. version. They're making it for the PS5. It's going to come out for Series S and X, uh, and PC. Or no, Stadia, and then PC in, like, long, long, long run. I think I think Stadia got it, like, exclusively for a bit or something, and then it's going to be on PC later. I don't know what's going on with Stadia. But anyway, <laughs> Judgment is eventually coming. So the whole franchise will be on the Xbox uh, soon That's enough, awesome. which is really exciting. Um, and with that in mind, I, I just was like, I really loved Like a Dragon. I thought that was an yeah. incredible game. And I've been hearing about how great the Yakuza series has been for such a long time that, that it just felt like the right time to finally dive into it. Um, I think especially considering like I told myself that in the dearth of winter, I really wanted like a game to just get lost in. And that was Death Stranding. And now that I'm done with that, like I finished Death Stranding. Congrats, by the way. Thank you. Um, I finished that game. I put it behind me and now I'm like, okay, so what's next? Like, what's my next like grand adventure? Um, and it just seems like why not just play through all the Yakuza games? Um, so I have started with Yakuza zero I'm playing Yakuza zero right now. Um, right. And that's the prequel to it's, it's the first chronologically it's in the eighties, right? Yes, exactly. Uh, it, it, it's, it's technically the first one that people recommend that you play, uh, cause they say you should play them in like in uh, chronological order and not in release order. So I'm playing Yakuza zero for top level smitten. Great. It's, it's really good. It's a oh, good yeah. video game. I'm so sold on it. The thing that I didn't expect about it, and I should have, I should have known this because people have told me this, uh, before, uh, Andrea, our, our friend and, and the co-host of, uh, one of the podcasts I used to do loves these games, has played all of them and has been like begging me to play them for a really long time and she's been she's so right about this i mean her her whole thing is that she'll just like every once in a while put on like a youtube video of all the cutscenes in the background just to like be in the world of yakuza again because she like misses playing them and and i'm starting to understand why you would do something like that so yakuza 7 like a dragon uh you and i played and liked a lot and and it, yeah, I loved it, it. it has a new protagonist his name is ichiban um he's kind of this like happy-go-lucky dude who like was in the yakuza and then eventually got kicked out and is on this like kind of revenge path situation but is like really like high-spirited really fun yeah. dude makes friends with everyone big goku vibes <laughs> <laughs> he's more don quixote and less like i want revenge even though it's like yes. framed as a revenge story he's more interested in, in just helping out who's around him yeah just like a really like kind-hearted dude it's like almost surprising that he was in the yakuza in the first place but like (laughs) um when when you learn more about his backstory it makes more sense why he was in there xyz stuff yeah Um, there's a lot of twists and reveals yeah but the big thing about that game was that it was the introduction of a new protagonist because for the longest time the protagonist of the games had been this guy named kiryu um who like has been the lead of every Yakuza game for like years and years and years since the franchise first started with the exception of judgment being the being the spinoff so this game Yakuza 0 is kind of is a prequel to uh, some of the first games that had come out and it's kind of like a, an origin story for where he came from and how he joined the Yakuza and all this stuff so I'm playing this game and I gotta say beyond it just being a good video game it is like the best TV show that I've watched in a long time um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've I played about five hours of this game and in an almost 
I, it's really, I'm really glad that I played this after Death Stranding or that I'm playing this after Death Stranding because like a lot of the things that people say about Death Stranding is like, oh, it's just all cutscenes, which is not true at all. It's like way less true than I thought it was when I started playing that game. There's, there's a lot of gameplay in Death Stranding and the cutscenes are not as long as you think they are. But anyway, this game. Except the ending, which is two hours of cutscenes. Yeah, but there's still gameplay in those cutscenes. I mean, no, I, 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 I won't sure, talk about it sure. now, but yeah. we'll, we'll get to it eventually. The thing about Yakuza 0, and maybe this is true of all of them, I'm not really sure, but the thing about Yakuza 0 is that it really does feel like it's all cutscenes. Like, I didn't realize for about four hours that I could have stopped playing the story at any point, and I could have, like, went around and done whatever I wanted. Because I think one of the things that the Yakuza games is known for, or that the franchise is known for, is this uh, idea that it always takes place in... Uh, uh, the the I just forgot the name of the town. It's not Yokohama. That's where Seven takes place. But um, whatever the name of the city is, it's the same city in every single game. Uh, so like you start to kind of learn your way around this city, and you know like what places are in what street corners, and like where you can start to do things, and and the stories will take you to similar locations over and over again. So like you really do get to feel like you you learn that city and you learn that space, which I think is an amazing idea. Like what a cool yeah. thing to have the same location for like just like decades of video game. So every time a new Yakuza game comes out, it's like returning home in a way. Uh, I, yeah. I really like that as a concept. Um, and this game taking place in the 80s is kind of like just an older version of that. So I imagine if you had played these games and then Yakuza 0 came out, it would be like, oh my God, I'm getting this new fresh take on this. Yeah, yeah. Even though you're playing the same character, technically, um, you're still getting like a new view on a thing that you know very well. I think that's really cool. Um, Absolutely. And I think that's probably one of the reasons that like Judgment and and Like a Dragon are so shocking is because like Judgment, you're experiencing this place through the lens of a different person who is not cute to you. And then in Like a Dragon, you actually end up playing in a completely different city at a certain point. Uh, yeah. So you have to learn somewhere new. I imagine like that was a really like jarring thing. Uh, but for me going in with completely fresh eyes, seeing this city that people know so well and seeing this character that people know so well um, as the beginning point for me, as the entry point for me, I think has been really eye opening. And I really kind of locked into why people love these games so much so quickly, because first of all, this character is awesome. Yeah, um, he's a great character. He he is he is like so your vibe of like <laughs> kinds of characters that you like. Um, uh -huh. I'm I'm really excited for you to start getting into these games because I, I think Me too. I think you're gonna like love Kiryu as a, as a protagonist. Um, because his vibe is very he's very stoic and he's very committed to the cause. He's very committed to the idea of being a yakuza. I, I won't say a whole lot about what's happening in the story for like spoiler reasons, but the story takes a very similar turn to like a dragon in a way that I yeah. really wasn't expecting. They almost feel like mirrors of one another. Yes, absolutely. They're, so without saying too much either for spoilers uh, in like a dragon, Kiru eventually plays a supporting role. Cool. And there's a shot where they're like facing each other and they're both wearing like the suit jacket with the shirt, except for Kiru, it's like, ironed perfectly clean yeah he's got a white suit jacket with a red shirt underneath uh ichiban has like a dirty ass red suit jacket that he got shot wearing yeah and like the the white shirt with the popped collar so like they real. it's like it's almost like kiru and and ichiban are the same but the personality they choose to present is different yeah like deep down Ichiban can be very serious and very like scary and intimidating, mm. but outside he's a big goofball. And Kiru's like a no nonsense like knight, but deep down will sing karaoke and like goof around and like be your bud. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, one one of the earliest moments in Yakuza Zero is uh, you and one of your buddies go out to a karaoke place. It's like right in the beginning too. They're like, hey, guess what? Karaoke's in this game. Get get amped. Yeah. Um, 
and you show up and and Kiryoko just goes goes nuts in, in the karaoke <laughs> and his friend is like oh my god I didn't know you had that in you and you were like uh, and 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 Kiryu just goes like well you know I'm gonna give it my all everything I do I'm gonna give it my all you know and like that that's his reasoning for just going completely wild doing karaoke yeah. I love that about him just a really great character but like all of the main story beats are these like really like kind of like heavy kind of espionage uh, Tinker Tailor soldier spy like inner workings of what's going on with the Yakuza like okay somebody's double crossed this person everybody's trying to get this thing who like what players are involved who's double crossing who like really really fascinating stuff and then all the side stories are like completely off the wall and yeah. I, I love that about it so yeah. I I just did I just did a side story where um, you bump into this guy who has like this big pompadour and he's like definitely like going for like a punk vibe. He's going for like an 80s punk vibe and and he sucks at it. He's like just terrible <laughs> at being a punk. He bumps into you and he's like, oh, my God, sir, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And and Kiryu's just like, what what is going on here? I don't understand. Like you're dressed one way. You're talking another way. Uh, and you, you bump into him again later. And it turns out he's like part of this really famous punk band that nobody's ever seen play live. So everybody thinks they're like really hardcore and really punk. But it turns out like all the dudes are just really lame and they're like agents dress them like punks. Um, <laughs> and you have to teach them how to be hardcore. Uh, oh, my God. Yes. And and when you know you go, you walk through each member of the band and like what their vibe should be and how they should like speak when they're on stage and stuff, because it's the first time I've ever played live. And, and when you're done with that, like Kiryu goes to the show and he like hangs out and is like so supportive and he's like cheering them on from the sides. Uh, and they're so like grateful that he worked with them and stuff after the fact. Uh, it's it's a really like wonderful side thing that I like. It took me like four or five hours to realize that in between the plot beats, I could just start doing that stuff because I was yeah. so invested in the story, which, you know, is is a testament to how great the story is. I think right off the bat it is like I'm sucked into it the way I would be in any like crime show. And I don't even watch yeah. a lot of crime shows. I'm not even like that interested in that as a genre, to be totally yeah. honest. But Yakuza's writing is so strong that I, I'm just like so invested in it that it took me a long time to break free of that and realize like it was only because I was running to one of the missions that I bumped into a side mission. I was like, oh my God, this was available the whole time. And then I realized looking at the mini map, there are all these buildings I could go in. I could go into the bowling alley and I could be bowling whenever I want to. Um, I could go into this, uh, like this like ramen shop and get ramen if I want to. Like there are all these different things that I could be doing and just kind of uh, embedding myself in the world. And I didn't because the story was so compelling. And, And that to me was this like, brain blast aha moment that was like i so understand what i've been missing for so long yeah. i so understand what everybody's been on about with this game and with this franchise that like now all of my free time i want to spend playing yakuza and it will not surprise me when like towards the end of 2021 i am coming up on the end of whatever yakuza 6 i guess or judgment again you know the re-release of judgment for the xbox and like finally finishing that game which i loved but like finally finishing that game and being like wow i can't believe i played all the yakuza games this year i just so clearly see that as my future now that's awesome i'm so stoked to get into it and that'll probably lead me to finish it like a dragon which i never did oh yeah like it like a dragon's finale is wonderful it's really good yeah actually i have a question for you so i've only played like a dragon and you now have played a few of them um like a dragon also kind of distinguished itself from the series for like really rolling into the like light rpg elements that were there like it went you know full-fledged turn-based combat class systems like Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. Mm-hmm. Um, in in the previous games, it was like a 
sort of like street brawler with RPG leveling systems. Yeah. yeah. How, do you prefer one over the other? Do you, is it just sort of like I strongly prefer what they're doing with like a dragon. Oh really? Wow, yeah. interesting. I think cool. I think the turn based combat and the leveling and the and the class system and the party system is really really compelling. Um, and feels shockingly enough way more natural uh, than than the brawler stuff. Um, and that might be like a hot take. I'm not really sure because I don't know enough about the franchise and the fans of the franchise. But it really does feel so natural to me, and I. I really do miss it in these games. Uh, and one of the things that I found so surprising about Yakuza Zero is how fucking hard it is. Uh, yeah. The combat I find I, it's it's intuitive, and I I understand how it works, but I have a hard time with it sometimes. The 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 random battles that you get into on the street aren't too uh, aren't too difficult, but the boss battles I am just like banging my head against trying to finish. And if anything is going to prevent me from playing all these games, it's that because I'm even playing this game on the easiest difficulty they have available, and I'm still like failing against bosses over and over again, which I I think just kind of goes to show how difficult it can be um but that said all of the battles that you do it's so funny all the battles that you do like on the street and anywhere really uh whenever you like land a really hard hit on somebody all the money in their wallet just comes flying out and you collect (laughs) all of it so you're getting all this money from all these characters uh and you you uh, all these people that you're beating up and you eventually run into this guy uh his name is uh, bacchus or, or Bacchus. I, I'm not really sure how you're supposed to pronounce his name, um, but you, you run into him and he, and he tells you a whole lot about how you should like spend a lot of time investing in yourself, man. Like you should just like, yeah. you should just like really like, like work yourself out and just like make sure that you're the best version of you that you can be. And you're like, okay, cool. How do I do that? And he's like, no, literally you got to invest money in yourself. And then he shows you the abilities menu and it, and you open up this like kind of uh, it, it's almost a sphere grid uh, for all the different combat styles that you have. And you literally have to invest your own money in yourself to unlock <laughs> abilities for your different uh your different fighting styles which i really love so i'm wondering if like as i start to unlock more of those if the combat will feel a little bit less uh jarring i think than it does now but to answer your question i think at the end of the day the thing that really works for me is is the turn-based combat which like as a person who again before doing this podcast i wasn't even a huge fan of turn-based combat i can't believe that that's my answer i I think the way like a dragon approaches the turn-based combat is really interesting though because it flows so uniquely like it Mm. does it feels like it's real time but you're just like kind of directing how the fight goes you know it's like okay like it's so exciting once you have a party for i actually like uh i have a confession i did play a little bit of Yakuza Zero, like when we first started the show. Oh, wow. Um, cool. I got it on PS4. I think, like, I maybe played the first hour. I remembered the guy saying, You've got to invest in yourself. For whatever reason, I moved on. Like, I didn't, like, click with it right away. I think it's because I didn't have, like, the prior knowledge of what the series was or, like, what you would enjoy about it. Yeah. Now that I've played all of Like a Dragon, I imagine I will have an incredible time. So I'm definitely going to download it off Game Pass. Yeah. It's just amazing that they're all there, I think, also. Uh, I'm, I'm just so glad to see that. I And honestly, it, it really does... Um it, it does kind of like it, I think it's a little bit of an eye opening thing because uh, there, there were so many rumors for a while floating around that like Microsoft and Sega were in all these talks and like everybody was like, oh, my God, is Microsoft going to buy Sega the same way they just bought Bethesda? Like, are they going to like make a huge fucking purchase and like really kind of like uh, plant Microsoft as like a really important gaming brand in in Japan, like via purchasing like one of these huge uh, stakeholders in the entire industry. And I'm, I'm wondering if the end result of those conversations wasn't like we're buying Sega and more just like we want to put all the Yakuza games on Game Pass, which like <laughs> is a really strong reason to pick up Game Pass. Um, oh, yeah. I, I think like if you're at all interested in the franchise, like Game Pass is now a no brainer uh, in a way. I mean, it already was a no brainer, but like if you were all interested in Yakuza, like it's even more of a no brainer now uh 
Yeah. I think what I really appreciate about the series too, even just from like my very little time with Zero and my very much time with Like a Dragon, (laughs) is that like it's doing this like legitimately great high stakes crime drama that's like so gripping and so it's there's so much pageantry in it that like it feels like you just get so swept up in it. I feel like um, it's not an accident that Like a Dragon opens with like a Kabuki theater production Mm. because I feel like it shares that not that it's like that at all but it has that like big entrances like larger than life stage presences yeah and in in a way i mean like a dragon opening that way and then focusing so much on the rpg side of it they were really taking a look at like what are the key ingredients of a Yakuza game? And can we put the influence on the forefront? You know, much like Ichiban is broadcasting a different side of his personality. What is like the inside out Yakuza game look like? Yeah. I think that, you know, as soon as it can veer, like, cause I, I think I, my first read was like, is this like another fucking, you know, macho, like, yeah. Is it, is it Wolf of Wall Street? Is it Scarface? Right. Yeah. Um, and it feels that way at first and then it totally isn't. I think like, First of all, I I think that the the even if it was just the high stakes crime drama, it's well done and it's asking enough questions about Yakuza that I think it's like not really uh, I, you can have conversations about glorifying elements of it, but I think it's like so, so like far removed from elements of reality in some ways that I don't really feel the same way I do about like Wolf of Wall Street, which is like a little too close to reality, you know? Yeah, yeah totally. But I think like having having these moments where like. Kiryu shows his humanity in uh, these little side quests that are like so a different tone and vibe, like kind of combine well with the drama. It endears you to the setting and to the character so that when shit does hit the fan, you you care about him and you know that he's more than just like a a tough guy. You know, there's a lot more going on to him. So I think that it's a really, really cool blend of like drama and and silliness that works together really well yeah and and i think amping all of that stuff up and realizing that that's what people really loved about the franchise and and just like taking it to a whole nother level for like a dragon was a really smart move um but it is really interesting to revisit like i guess the beginnings of the story even if it's not technically the beginning of the franchise uh going back to yakuza zero and 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 seeing the beginning of this character um and still having elements like that at play i think is really really compelling and and that said uh what what is it kawami one and two which are like remakes of the original one and two um those are next on the agenda and i've just heard like incredible things about those stories and then from there on is kind of no man's land for me i'm not really sure what's going on with like three through six uh but (laughs) i'm excited to find out um and and i think by the time i get there i'm gonna be like so i'm gonna be so endeared to kiryu as a character that like it's gonna be really cool it's gonna be really cool to like stick with a character and a location for that long i think also yeah. your enjoyment of the latter parts of like a dragon will only be exponential because like mm. in in the second half of that game there are a lot of faces that show up that it, the game wants you to like lose your shit about yeah that i didn't because i didn't know who they were <laughs> uh, but still thought they were really cool yeah there's already enough stuff that i've experienced in yakuza zero where i'm like oh my god this totally recontextualizes some of the stuff from like a dragon like like yeah. in the first couple hours, you'll have some moments that are like, oh, yeah, I've heard that name a lot in Like a Dragon and it didn't really phase me at all. But now is fascinating to think about. Uh, so I, I think revisiting Like a Dragon after that will be really cool. That said, I still think that's a great entry to the franchise. So like if you're a person yeah, who is too. like, I don't think I want to play six games before I go play Like a Dragon. Like a Dragon is still a great entry point. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, I think that's joining Game Pass soon as well. So, I mean, again, a no brainer like way to jump into that franchise that's also if you're like, at all. I think you and I often try to determine like what is the entry point after 
being introduced to it i can i can directly say like like a dragon was my entry point yeah <laughs> like having played a little bit and bounced off and and was unsure if it was for me or not and it totally was but yeah. then again it was like it had conformed to what was my shit you know it was like oh now it's a turn-based right. rpg like, oh okay i'm in yeah um, all of that said i you could go back to our conversations about judgment when i was playing that game and that was my entry point into the franchise as well which yeah. like is a weirdly left field way to get into it but just like you had mentioned before, the thing that I or that had prevented me from checking out this franchise for a long time was this idea that it was like a, a macho crime drama. And I just like wasn't interested in that because I didn't realize that there was more going on here. And judgment being a kind of left side of that being like a, I'm a private detective, like going out and trying to like bust the Yakuza, I thought was like a really interesting take on that. Um, and I was I was much more interested in playing as not the Yakuza personally. And that that was a really great way to kind of like dip my toe in the water, I think, for what what ended up being an extreme enjoyment of like a dragon and now going back and, and it just like felt like a fire emblem three houses kind of situation for me <laughs> weirdly enough that's amazing i'm also really excited to see what follows like a dragon because it feels yeah. like they they have set up a new protagonist and i mean they have but i'm just wondering still like okay are they going to commit to ichiban now now that they've like really pass the torch which you know there's even like an achievement at a, some at one point in the story this is like passing the torch or something that's right. i'm making that up but like it feels so much like that that it would be a shame if they didn't at least give him like another game in some way yeah or more importantly his party you know because it's more about the ensemble than just him in that game yeah oh a weird behind the scenes thing with sega though is that the creator of this franchise has now stepped down from being the creative director of yakuza and is now the creative uh or chief creative officer for all of sega Um, oh wow so he just like got this like major promotion but that also means he's like not as involved hands-on directly with the yakuza games and i'm wondering you know where the franchise goes from there and if it still feels the same way it does i imagine it will because on i mean as much as like I think it's easy to point at a person and be like, that person's responsible for this game. It's like literally hundreds of people (laughs) that make stuff, you know? I I think that was like one of the big blowback things with uh, Hideo Kojima when he was talking about uh, the making of Death Stranding. And he was like, I'm responsible for everything that happens in this game, which I think kind of got like uh, miscontextualized in a way, you know? I don't think he was saying like, nobody else works on these games but me. I'm taking all the credit. I think he was just saying he's like heavily involved in every aspect of it. But that said, I think think the Yakuza... franchise has a really bright future i'm excited to see where it goes from here but for now you can hop on game pass and you can play a ton of stuff you can play the entire past of the franchise um (laughs) i will say the one thing i'm really really missing in yakuza zero is photo mode because Mm, the environment in the 80s is so stunning it's so cool you have a pager you're constantly checking your pager like people are paging you all the time you got to go to uh, phone booths to save uh and stuff I love it. I really love being in this world. And I'm taking a lot of screenshots anyway, because you can like press the right stick in and go into first person mode. And then I just I go into the settings. And I turn all the HUD completely off and then I take uh, screenshots that way. But like I don't want to have to like do that every time I want to take a picture. Uh, but but <laughs> the place they've made is so cool and so compelling that I like just want to be taking pictures of it all the time. I love this for you. I'm so excited. I'm I'm really excited to give Zero another shot. I'm sure I'll love it. And just, you know, there's a whole series awaiting us, Brendan. It's yeah. exciting. Yeah, it's, it feels like Dragon Quest all over again, which is kind of <laughs> ironic given what what Yakuza 7 is all about. Right, right. <laughs> Ichiban's like, I fucking love Dragon Quest. Yeah. Um. Anyway, that's awesome. Do you want to wrap up? I think I do want to wrap up, yeah. Hell yeah. Do you want to do this time? I feel like I've done it a lot in the sure, past. Sure, sure. That, that's good by me. Uh, I'm tired. I'm hungry. <laughs> Uh, thank you all so much for listening to the show. Um, thank you for bearing with us while we took a week off last week. Yeah, for real. Thank you. As we always say, doing the show is a joy. It's really good. 
um i I think like you and i recently have been talking a lot about just how nice it is to be able to like hop on skype all the time and talk about a thing that we love um and knowing that other people enjoy that is really cool so yeah it's it's a wonderful thing that we'd be doing anyway but having all the support just really like means the world so thank you all so much for listening to the show every week and uh thanks to the people who like write nice stuff to us and send us emails and tweets and all that kind of stuff it's really cool it means Um, a lot yeah yeah uh, all that said you can find us on the internet uh pretty much anywhere you can go to into the casta online to check out the links to twitter and instagram and youtube and twitch as i mentioned i I just did a lot of streaming recently uh if you go to our youtube channel you can find uh the death stranding streams if you're interested in that it's a really really chill time because it was really just like i want to finish this game uh, and I just happened yeah. to stream it anyway. Like it, it wasn't exactly me being like, "Hey, welcome to Twitch.tv." Like I wasn't like <laughs> trying to make get a big... ready to carry deliveries. Yeah, it it just it just was like, why not stream it? I guess. Um, so it's a really yeah. chill time if you just like want to see what a lot of that game looks like. Um, you can see the whole like second act of that game on on Twitch. Um, so there's that. Uh, there's a lot of other stuff on YouTube. We got a full playthrough of uh of uh links awakening for the nintendo switch and hollow knight on there as well steven's been doing a let's play of uh of skyrim which is really wonderful so you can go check all that out if you want to um on top of that we also have a patreon which you can find at patreon.com slash into the cast uh, again all these links are on into the cast online uh but if you join the patreon um it really just like helps us do more with the show um yeah. we're working on getting steven like a cool streaming setup so he can finally do some stuff with the switch which uh yes. we've been talking about doing for like over a year at this point so it'll be really nice to like finally do that. Uh, I'm really pumped. Yeah. yeah, I've got a few projects. I, I've started and stopped a few different uh, streams on our Twitch page, which is fine. You know, we're all human. But I have some like dedicated projects I want to pursue once I have more equipment. So I'm excited for that. I'm, I'm so excited to see what you do. It's going to be so fun. <laughs> so anyway, that's that's kind of what the Patreon is for. It's just like allowing us to do more stuff like that yeah. and get the equipment that we need to be able to do those kinds of things. So that's going to be really exciting when that when that finally gets off the ground um and uh i'm trying to think what else what else is out there uh if you want you can write us a review on apple podcasts um i'm gonna be honest i don't know how much that actually helps us but it is really nice when people do it so thank you all so much to to people who do that um i i think it might help but i'm not sure anymore apple's a apple's a weird company uh they'll be like you have too many positive reviews we're canceling (laughs) your show yeah thank you all so much everybody who's done that it really does mean a lot if you want to do that you can go do that um and, and and it would mean a lot we do read all of them and we do appreciate all of them so there's that aspect of it. Um, and also, I don't know how often we like call it out directly, but we do have a Discord you can join as well. If you go uh, to Into the Castle online, there's a link there. You can join the Discord. Um, it's a group of nice people talking about video games. And, it's a great uh, time. And a lot of other things that aren't video games. So you can go join that community as well. Yeah. Anything else? That's it, man. You did a great job. Thanks. I'm very impressed. It's a lot to cover. It never feels like it's... We always doubt if we're finished because there's so much to say. Yeah. But truly, I think, I mean, I, I second everything you said. I. It's also really nice. I mean, we took last week off and it, it was nice knowing that we could say that without people being like, what do you mean? <laughs> you know, like yes. the fact that we felt secure enough with like, okay, we can, everyone knows we're like two humans with full-time jobs who like sometimes <laughs> yeah. need a break. That was like a personal health reason for that one, not to get too into it, but uh, I was just really happy that like, we got nothing but warm support for like needing time. Um, so yeah. thank you for like just creating that, uh, situation for us. You know, it's yeah. nice to know. Really cool. Nice. That's all I have to say. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm going to go look Sorry. into toad's eyes for a while and <laughs> see what I can, see what I can grok from that experience. Grow with me. <laughs> <laughs>
teeth. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> Picturing like a, a moon essence, bloodborne, like fungal tower. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm seeing too, honestly, when, yeah, I, when I think like about it. Jack Beanstalk, but like a little bit more Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. Do you know that's huge again with the kids? What is? Nightmare Before Christmas, apparently. All my oh, friends who are, who are fathers, like they're like pre-10-year-olds fucking love Nightmare Before Christmas. Like mm. There's so much merch still. Wow. It's weird. Yeah. That was like the hot topic thing in eighth grade for us. You know? Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. now it's like babies love it. Yeah, that was, that was like <laughs> you would like skin your MySpace page to look like Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> it's a great movie. I've actually been listening to the soundtrack recently for some reason. It's like the least, <laughs> it's the least seasonal time to listen to Nightmare Before Christmas. It's February, but uh, it's, it's a good. town of February. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's going to be March soon. It's going to be March soon. Spring yeah, what, if he, what if Jack Skellington opened the door to like February 3rd? It's like, what the hell? What is this? Yeah. It's like cold and raining. Yeah. They're, they're, every, I am so like dichotomous in my desire to see Jack Skeleton walk through some of those other doors. And also like, I don't want that at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't want like <laughs> a fever dream before Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> I'm absolutely stuffed. Yeah. I, I don't need like the most ambitious crossover in cinematic history to be like Jack Skeleton walks through the the like St. Patrick's Day door and it's like the Lucky Charms mascot, you know, like, I just, you know what I would love is if he opened a Kingdom Hearts door, you know? Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, weirdly, that was like Kingdom Hearts world logic before the Kingdom Hearts, you know, they had doors to all these other worlds. Yeah. And honestly, I think the the Nightmare for Christmas levels are the best levels in the Kingdom Hearts games. I agree. Uh, the first one, especially that yeah. world is awesome. Dude, it rules. Oh, man. That was also peak hot topic uh nightmare before christmas yeah they, they really nailed that they knew it <laughs> anyway Great goodbye timing. oh yeah okay we can go <laughs> i'm enjoying just hanging out now we're just hanging out but yeah. uh hey thanks for listening we can love i tell you, you something goodbye. oh hey what's up this i i mentioned this on the last episode uh this like uh, this emulator handheld emulator machine that i got this uh the anbernick rg ah! 351p <laughs> <laughs> Um, I scared myself. <laughs> this has become like maybe my favorite purchase in like months. Yeah. Um, it's awesome. It's really cool looking. <laughs> it's real, dude. I, so just like being the exact aspect ratio of the Game Boy Advance, just, but like bigger just means that I'm just means that I'm like, uh, seeing all of this incredible art that we keep talking about, you know, like how vivid yeah. the colors of the Game Boy Advance were and all that kind yes. of stuff. I'm just seeing it like with even more clarity than ever before. Uh, it sounds like back of the box shit, but like I just <laughs> I, I'm really appreciating the art of the games that I'm playing in a way that I, oh, I yeah. think I didn't when they were much smaller in my hand. So like I'm not saying that you should go buy one of these things at all, but I'm just saying that I am really enjoying mine. And, and it's giving me a new appreciation for this stuff in a way that I've, I haven't had because like I've tried emulating stuff in the past, um, you know, on the computer, but like it never feels the same as like actually holding a device and like sure. playing it portably yeah. in the way that it was meant to be played. Um, and, and that experience has been like really, really, really uh, special for me over the past couple of weeks. It's almost kind of like when like I remember discussions about uh, when Annihilation came out, there was a whole situation with like the distribution of that film yeah because like uh the director wouldn't change the ending so then i think i forgot who produced the movie but the, the they released it netflix only worldwide basically yeah 
And the director was like, well, that's fine, but this is really intended to be seen in theaters. Right. And I think it's kind of a similar thing where like some games like really need to be handheld in a similar way where it's like it's kind of part of the experience. Absolutely. It's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was thinking about playing um, because now that I'm done with Death Stranding, I was like, okay, I should probably go and like now that I've loved that game, I feel like I should experience the Metal Gear games like for real, for real. Oh, yeah. Um, Me too. And I have the HD collection on the Vita. Like I've had it for years and years and I've just like never gone in and played them. And I was like kind of ambivalent about it. I was like, do I really want to play the Metal Gear games on the Vita? Like, do I want to play them handheld? Um, Especially because like the L2 and R2 buttons, you have to use the the back touchpad to uh, to press those. And it just didn't feel very good. And I just realized, I don't know if you knew this, but the HD collection for the Metal Gear games is available on Xbox. Oh, yeah, I have it. I got uh, I, it's the two and three. Yeah. D- uh, bundle. Yeah, I have it. Yeah. I just I, I've been kind of like picked it up. keeping that in my back pocket just to give as for AJ as a treat. Just to kind of give, like, <laughs> one day we will talk about Metal Gear. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to have him on because he's like encyclopedia yeah but uh yeah i i'm really because i've only played a little bit of snake eater that's like my only experience of metal gear i feel like we have to do it that's like waiting for us as well yeah so one day i i'm just i i just think like you know getting back to our constant or maybe my constant refrain about game preservation and stuff i just really am enjoying playing these games in the form factor that they're meant to be played in um i think mario and luigi superstar saga is like so wonderful to be playing like on the couch in the mornings while i'm like waiting for my water to boil um i've i'm also playing golden sun which i think we're going to talk about eventually uh you're gonna you're gonna get into that and play that as well um so we'll talk about it when you've played a little bit of it as well but i mean that game which i completely missed i'm like loving just like sitting i have an ottoman in the office that we record the show in um i'm just like i just hang out on this ottoman uh and play golden sun and it just feels like i'm like 12 uh it's awesome (laughs) it's so great that's awesome that's so cool yeah i i I share that completely anyway my name is brendan bigley you can find me on the internet at brendan bigley (laughs) I was going to do a whole bit where uh, whenever you save in Snake Eater, I think paramedic goes like, Snake, have you seen this movie? Really? I was going to go, Snake, have you ever seen Nightmare Before Christmas? No. What's it about? Anyway, I'll do that another time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Garbage. Uh-huh.